the Staff and Graph podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. Inlinks are salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Rachel, let's not waste any time. You know, the, okay. uh, the, the saga continues in Toronto with their new GM uh, or potential new GM. They're looking for answers, really. They're looking for a new person after Kyle Dubas. Um, and here's the thing. Information is starting to leak out a little bit. There are um, rumb- pardon? Are there rumblings? I'd say there's rumblings. There's There might even be chatter. Ooh. There might even be some chatter. Um, there might be some musings, even musings. musings. Who knows? Um, yeah, there there is some uh, there is some chatter here that, that we've heard. Rachel, why don't we give everyone an update on the situation as we have uh, uh, you know as we have learned of it? Why don't you give us an update here? Yeah. Um, so Frank Saravalli reported earlier on what day is it? T- Friday. It is Friday. <laughs> yeah, you can tell I'm out of it. Uh, Frank Cervalli reported that a few candidates either had or were expected to interview for the Leafs position. Namely, Bradtree Living, which we obviously all expected, Mark Bergevin, Peter Shirelli. Um, there was a fourth name there, but I'm forgetting who. So what I've heard is that Bergevin's already interviewed and really impressed in his interview. Mm-hmm. Um but I also sort of have another working theory and it's a little bit, and it's based on like talking to people. I mm-hmm. think this is Shanahan, an informed theory. Yeah. This is not, I'm going to throw things at the wall. I so think we have Shanahan, Ra- ins- insider Rachel, let's just qualify yeah. this insider Rachel. This is, this is sources. Yes. Colon go. So I think Shanahan is talking to a lot of people with experience, not only because he values their experience, but it allows him to get other people's opinions for free on what they would do in this given situation. And I, I really honestly wouldn't be surprised if one of two things happens. One, if he goes with a lesser experienced GM, maybe somebody with no GM experience, or he does a president of hockey operations and a GM structure with the experience in the president's seat because he only has two years left on his contract. So he's got to get this higher, right? Or he's next out the door. Yeah. So I think that this, I think the tree living stuff is legitimate, but I think when you're hearing names like Peter Shirelli and Mark Bergevin and um, some of the older sort of guard, I think it's more that, Shanahan's trying to get experienced opinions on things. And I heard he was really like, he really liked what he heard from Bergevin. The thing is too, is that Bergevin is a very, and I know, you know, you just talked about that. He's probably not interviewing for the job or whatever. It's getting information, but Bergevin's a very charismatic, like that's what sort of got him here is like his ability to connect with people. He can handle a Canadian market. Like, if you can handle the Montreal Canadiens, albeit, and let's call it what it is, that draft pick of he who shall not be named was deplorable and totally unacceptable. But 
Mark Bergevin did show over a decade that he could handle a really obvious, the hottest hockey market around. So Shanahan soliciting an opinion from him makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't think he did a necessarily good job over that decade that he was there, but he at least showed that he didn't like have a full on breakdown um, <laughs> under the pressure. And I think that's important because certain people, you know, some people might not be able to handle that. I wouldn't be able to handle that. You know? Yeah, that's so. Yeah, I don't think I think everybody should just whew, everybody take a breath. I don't think the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to end up hiring Peter Shirelli. I know that's what everybody's upset about. So everybody, I need everyone to breathe. Mike, that includes you. <gasps> everybody breathe. Yeah. Now, Man. there are two people that do have experience. And my other, th- my theory that kind of goes with this is the more you hear about somebody's name in the media, the less likely they are to get the job. I think that someone is going to be hired who either is barely mentioned or not at all because they're going to want to keep this really tight to the vest. So we talked about Ray Shiro last episode and I kind of went through why I thought he would be good at the job. He was on the Agent Provocateur podcast on the SDPN and he didn't say no. Um, And I stand by what I said. Yes, I worked for him and obviously that famously didn't end well. But that doesn't change the fact that I have a lot of respect for Ray. I think he's really good at making trades. And the guy has experience. It's pretty hard to argue. But the the name that I haven't heard out there in terms of like the media, but I really like is Mike Gillis. If he when he worked in Vancouver, and I don't know if you know this, but when he worked in Vancouver, what he was doing and the and the way he was going about things was so forward thinking that like MLB and NBA and NFL teams were going to the Canucks to be like, hey, what are you doing here? Because it's so innovative. Mike Gillis hasn't changed that side of his thinking. And so he's flown under the radar. He's done some stuff with the PA. And because Marty Walsh got that job, I do wonder if maybe Gillis is in this in some capacity and we just haven't heard about it yet because Gillis has done a really good job of completely staying out of the media. Yeah. You know, you never really hear anything about Gillis. The most, the last time we heard about him was literally two years ago when they were, when during the, uh, the Pittsburgh GM search. Right. Uh, And then the PA, it was him and Marty Walsh. Yeah, when someone freaking leaked his entire Google Doc or whatever it was. Remember that? Like that? I actually know who did that, and I am not naming them, but I yeah, know who did that. That's very that, that was very funny. I would be very on board with Mike Gillis. I you know what? It's funny because Kevin Bieksa um was talking about it during the intermission. Uh, um, and he said that there are a lot of similarities, it seems, between like this Leafs team and like the 2009 Canucks. Um, you know, a team that is very skilled, very top heavy, you know, like very sort of possession based all this, but they are, um, but they weren't able to sort of take it to that next level. Uh, And then, and then, you know, Gillis was able to stick around and build them into something that, that became that next level. And eventually they became, you know, two, like they should have won the cup that year. They were two. They deserve, they were the best team. They deserve. Exactly. Um, And so, yeah, I think that's, 
that I think he would be great. I mean, obviously the name is Eric Tulski that everyone wants and everyone's talking about. And we haven't heard at least like we've heard him speculated because he's like the best. He's like the, you know, the, the best sort of, a, a like, well-known non-experienced se- guy available. Yeah. Yeah. Like well-known secret kind of, of a, of a candidate around the league. But um, you're right. Like w- w- you think of names that haven't been mentioned a lot because like, like you said, if Trilliving, if, if Trilling was going to be the guy, he'd already have the job. He already have the job. And it just seems he just seems to be like the most like like it, that narrative is being sort of pushed out here because it's the most like logical, you know? It's the most I also think you need to consider um like what we're hearing and who we're hearing it from, right? Like there I would I would say so, yes. Yeah, like you, you and I'm not saying that people are making things up. Don't take that. I'm, no, saying, but I'm that saying that people are very obvious that where certain people get their sourced information from and you need to consider that before you just like jump out and go xyz is happening um and i'm not saying that bradtree living isn't getting the job but if the toronto maple leafs organization and mose believed he was 100 the guy they'd have already hired him because they wouldn't be waiting around so i don't think they're sold on him and that's why they're talking to a lot of other experienced candidates and yes you might not have gm experience but that doesn't mean you don't have experience right eric tolsky being a great example of that tom fitzgerald didn't have gm experience when he took over for ray shiro and he's done a fantastic job of carrying on that plan i think craig conroy is going to be great in calgary um he's like one of the only people where i'm like that former hockey player getting that job is a very good thing, right? Joe Sackick was one. Craig Conroy is another. Um, but yeah, like I would say that the more a name is out there, the less I believe they are actually part of the job. And, and the two names, just to, just to sort of put a bow on the conversation here, are the two names that, you know, we, we haven't heard from any connected insiders, connected sources are Gillis and Tulski. And we, we haven't heard or Shiro it. for that matter or Shiro. So the three names we haven't heard are Gillis, yeah. Tulski or Shiro. I, I, I would say that maybe my ranking of, of who personally I would like, I, I think would succeed best in that job would be Tulski, Gillis, Shiro. Like in that. I think Gillis would probably want a president of hockey operations yeah. role, but if you could get, a front office that had, and in all of this, I think Brandon Pridham is not only getting like an, a significant raise. I think he's getting an elevated role. I think you could probably see like if Gillis gets the president of hockey operations, maybe Pridham is, is elevated to GM or you can bring in Tulski as a GM. And that's probably the best case scenario there. The best case scenario is Gillis president, like Gillis Poho and Tulski is GM. I mean, that is legitimately, Dude, that might be an upgrade on the, the yeah. Situation. It might be honestly. Like, like, well, I keep thinking even like even just just having Tulski as a GM, I think is like legit might be an upgrade on do this. Like just from a pure hockey mind perspective, but um, it just it it always comes back to they could have just avoided so much of this confusion if people had just like just sort of gotten a room together and spoken like human beings to each other. And this would have all been solved. Like, it just seems like there's, this is so much ado about what should have been nothing, you know, but 
we digress. All right, Rachel, you know, the, the team that set this all off, the Florida Panthers, um, they're in the Stanley Cup final. They are. Good for I, them. And you know what? This is great for the game. This is great for the growth of the game. You look at the, the, the crowds in Florida, not what they looked like versus Boston. Like, I, I legitimately think that, I first of all, I think the heat might collapse. So this might be Florida's time to really shine. And I love that for them. I absolutely love it for them. You know what, Rachel? I, I, I talked about this on the THM pod, but I just like the Florida Panthers have given me like legitimately given me an existential crisis. Like I'm like looking up at the stars and I'm like, what are we even doing here? What is the point? Because we can talk, we, we, we pour so much energy, so much mental strain, physical strain, bandwidth, time into breaking down this sport, into analyzing it, predict, predicting it, reacting to it. And then a team like the Florida Panthers comes in and a team that makes the playoffs by one point, you know, a team with Mark Stahl in their top four, current day Mark Stahl in their top four, um, and a goaltender in Sergei Bobrovsky who probably started, if Spencer Knight had been available, probably would have started the playoffs as their third goalie. He um, has earned all like $70 million of his contract in, this in the last like five weeks. Just in this run. Um, this team comes in and they steamroll their way to the cup final. It makes zero sense. It, it, I like, it makes me wonder like, and I, I want to like, I think it's great. However, this Matthew Kachuk con Smythe talk, I personally find to be ridiculous because he doesn't get the chance to score those winning goals in the conference final if Bobrovsky doesn't get them through the second round. They were grossly outplayed in three of their four wins against Toronto and in four of the five games against Toronto. And Bobrovsky kept them in there. So this notion that Matthew Kachuk has been their best player throughout the playoffs is just wholly false. Was he great in the third round? Yes, he was. Are they in the third round without Bobrovsky? Absolutely not. And Bobrovsky is quickly approaching Jean-Sebastien Jaguar numbers. And uh, that hasn't been done since you and I were six. I remember that being like, like that, that was legendary. That cemented his status like that, you know, Jaguar, like he will be, if there, if anything, you know, like when he retired, he could have done whatever. He won, he won a cup, but like he will always be remembered for the run that he ultimately lost. And look, Matthew Jachuk, and I'm, I had it in our prep here is like, if you had to choose the con Smythe now, are we doing Bobrovsky or Jachuk? And Jachuk is, I mean, there is something to be said for being like clutch for, for being clutch for having that dog in you, like legitimately. Oh yeah. I mean, he's second place. There's no doubt about it. In, in the highest stakes of the entire season, he has scored. He scored two straight OT winners, and then he scored the series clinching goal with four seconds left to send the Panthers to the cup final. Um, and he has, you know, he has 21 points in 16 games, nine goals. Um, you know, th- yeah, those are, he's been fantastic. Yeah, those are numbers that would that would put him right at the top of the conversation pretty much in any other year. But then you have Sergey Bobrovsky who has a 9.35 save percentage and has saved 14 goals above expected. Well, and Which Money is, has him at 19. 
Oh, really? Okay, I got mine yeah, from Money Hockey. Puck, yeah, Money uh, Puck Hockey has Reference. him at 19, and I know Peter Tanner pretty well. And, like, I Peter Tanner's models for goaltending are the closest to um, internal models. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Dom's player models are closest to, in like, the private models. So Peter Tanner has him with nearly 20 goals saved above expected in... F- f- four nine ten games that's preposterous that's that is insane. an average of two goals per game saved above expected that means that's wipe- literally a loss in round two you wipe like- you wipe off two you wipe off two goals against two guaranteed goals against every single game when Morosky's in that yeah so add unbelievable every, add two goals to every single add two goals against to every single Florida game they've played since he's been in net and they're not even here they don't make it past Toronto. They don't make it past Boston. What are you talking about? Like, they well, don't... He played game seven. And yeah, like he was, if Linus Allmark had not misplayed that puck in game six, we wouldn't even be having this conversation because Alex Lyon was in that. Rachel, this is all the Pittsburgh Penguins fault. Game 80. Yo. The, this is the biggest, I, 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 this is a, this is a, I want to ask you before we move on, the, the, if this is the biggest butterfly effect in NHL history, this moment, because game 80, the Penguins have their season on the line. They at need home. To, at home against a uh, Chicago Blackhawks team that has just traded literally any bit of value that they have. This is no Patrick Kane. I believe I believe Taves had been back by now, but this is like... It was Jonathan Taves and dudes. And Jason Dickinson. and That's a dude, man. Joey Ander- and Joey Anderson and guys like that. Like, it's ridiculous. And, um, and so we have, like... They play against the Chicago Blackhawks. The, the, the Penguins have everything to play for. They have their season. They have their future. They are keeping this uh, uh, a remarkable postseason streak alive. The Blackhawks, it would behoove them to lose. They want to lose. Their GM is cheering for them to lose. If they win, it is a distasteful outcome for them. Yeah. And because the Penguins dropped that game, Florida makes the playoffs by one point. They are now in the cup final because Chicago lost that game. It gives them the odds that, that, that they had Bedard. to get Connor Bedard and potentially give themselves one of, if not the league's best player for the next decade plus, if he, so, if he reaches potential. I that is insane. Pe- yeah, I don't feel bad for Penguins fans because you got three cups. No. And you've had Mario Lemieux and Sidney Crosby, so you could sit down and in the Denny, corner and, and shut Malcolm. up. Exactly. But... Pittsburgh not showing up that night has made fans angry because now we all have to watch Connor Bedard play for Chicago, which should not have been the case. They also now have to deal with Florida. And this is my favorite part of all of this. You just know that there are owners out there that are in 10th place next year at the trade deadline that are going to force their GM to go for it because look what Florida did, completely ignoring the fact that Florida won the president's trophy last year and also got Matthew Kachuk in the offseason. So <sighs> I, I can't wait. I just can't wait because owners, as we have talked about with the MLSE board being all too involved, and now you have a case where owners are going to get involved because they think anything can happen. Yes, you go out and trade for one of the league's top 10 players and also get 940 goaltending 
And you as well will make the cup final. Yes, that's correct. But until a, then, you won't. There's <laughs> a good argument to say that the Panthers have potentially broken the league. Like they like you will have the the oh middle God, of yeah. the you will have the middle of the pack teams buying at the deadline because they think I if they squeak wait. in, they can make a run. I and it will wait. hand it will handicap teams for a long time. This is insane. I, can't. I can't wait. And you you know, like you and I looking at each other in the eye right now know at least four teams yeah that are gonna do that 100 percent. and, and I, the difference between those teams and the florida panthers is that none of those teams won the president's trophy this year un, unbelievable um all right rachel dallas has stayed alive so you know I'm, i've already been sentenced to go back to florida again for the third time in a calendar year boohoo um, well actually no florida's a bit of a, a hot mess express right now the only is. time I want to go to Florida is if I'm going to Disney World. Otherwise, I will stay the heck away. No, it's yeah. Look, I I, I really enjoyed Tampa when I was there for the Cup Final last year. I think it's a beautiful city. I think it's got a lot of character. It's cool. Um, I really enjoyed. Uh, uh, I enjoyed the All Star Game. Like you know, we were down by Fort Lauderdale a lot. It was really nice. Great weather and all that. Um, as someone, a, I, I, I'm, I'm just not ready. Like, if I was gonna go back anywhere, I would say Tampa. I would like to go back Tampa. Sunrise, and for like, it's just we're, we're all just stuck in the middle here. And as well, um, I'm someone who sweats a lot. Like, I'm just a naturally sweaty. Yeah, you dude. and I are opposites yeah. that way. I remember just, you commenting. You're like, do you ever? Sweat? Yeah, I'm like, do you ever? No. You just not. <laughs> Whereas, like, I'm someone who sweats a lot. Um, and like when I was in Tampa, I've said this many times, but like, like we there was a 10 minute walk from our hotel to the shuttle bus to go to the ring. Oh yeah. And I had to bring two shirts with me because the walk, I would sweat through a shirt. Like I, it would be unusable. I remember this. So I had to pack two shirts with me every time. By the end of the, of the, by the end of the cup final, like I, I should have had to burn some shirts. <clears throat> which is so how there, bad. there's a difference between, I'm going to make the assumption here that Vegas gets through and I want I'm to gonna add it. So. I'm going to adequately prepare you for something. There is a difference between Florida's heat and Vegas's heat. It might be 115 degrees Fahrenheit in Vegas, but it feels like the desert. It's so dry there. No humidity. I love it. It it is nearly impossible to sweat through a shirt there. Like that is, that's kind of, and then in Florida, it's so humid. It's actually gross. Like, yeah, I hate, I hate, humidity my like my yeah my dad has a place uh actually in like in florida um and he's like oh like you should come down i'm like dad the humidity is literally 85 percent today i have zero desire to do that i'll go to like i'll go to our place in mexico or like i'll go anywhere that doesn't have like 90 percent humidity yeah like, it, it's it's nuts whereas like in denver when we went oh. like for, for colorado it was like an average of 31 degrees celsius every day but completely dry heat. So you couldn't even really, like it didn't really impact you. It's beautiful. And you're in the mountains. So you're getting like airflow. <laughs> yeah, man. But let me tell you that like the, the, the altitude is, is legit. The altitude oh, yeah. is real. Um, have you, um, first of all, have you been to Europe? I've been to Copenhagen before. Okay. I was going to say, so like if anybody has been to Switzerland in the summer, like if you've been to the Alps in the summer, it's very similar to Denver 
be obviously with like mountainous and stuff, but it's just like a little bit more humid because there's more water around. Um, but that is why a bunch of athletes, like a bunch of NHLers do camps in Denver pre-training camp. And a lot of Olympians train in the Alps in Switzerland because it trains your body to be able to intake oxygen more efficiently. Yes. And, and so naturally like you're going to be able to perform more, I guess, effectively. Um, but yeah, if you're going to Vegas and not yet, but it's, it's a lot drier. Also, you're um, going to be sent with some of my money and you're going to be buying me things. Thank you so much. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> Cause I'm saying like, I, I never usually gamble just because I have terrible luck as a human being and I just do not trust luck to ever shine down on me. Also, I'm very poor. So there are those two things. Um, and, but like, I, I am in no disrespect to Dallas. I would love, I think if they, if they end up coming back, I would love to go to Dallas, but I am just due to a locational thing. I'm rooting for Vegas. I've never been, I'd like to go. I want to go to Caesar's palace and go, Hey, did Caesar, is this the real Caesar's palace? Does Caesar used to live here? And the front desk person will go, I've heard this joke a million times. And I'll go like, I just had to say it. Um, Maybe, you know what, what if I just like, my friend lives in Vegas and we were actually talking like if, Vegas makes the cup final like I should totally just come and like crash there what if I just like made an appearance and I you and I took Vegas yeah see that would be good because then I can let you spend your money and your luck and your luck would be better so you could (laughs) so I wouldn't lose all your money by when you give me money I, I I curse it with my bad juju one day which is not today yeah we will tell maybe in the off season we'll tell the story about how I sat and played roulette and blackjack with Bill Belichick in Vegas. That would be phenomenal. Yeah. I don't think I, I, I haven't heard that story either. Um, and the Tom Brady story. We will, you know what? That's a summer story. That's a summer we will, story. We yeah. will talk about how Tom Brady bought my mom a purse in Vegas. Very cool. Well, speaking <laughs> of wild again, speaking of Vegas, look, Dallas stayed alive. They went in OT last night. They're down three, one. Um, but boy, oh boy, man, like this is uh this, it sure looks like Vegas is about to book their their second ticket to the uh, the Cup final in a very short amount of yeah, years. Yeah, Vegas fans just like straight up have a moratorium on complaining for a very long time because your team has been perpetually good and has now made potentially two Cup finals in like its first six years of existence. You actually don't get to complain for a minimum of a decade. Yeah, you, you all have to shut up now. You're done. You're like Boston. You don't get to complain. Like when I'm seeing people complaining about the Bruins and the Celtics, I'm like, you sit in the corner and shush because you've had the Red Sox and the Patriots and the Celtics and the Bruins for so long. You don't get to say anything. Like, Yeah, you all need to, to be quiet. But yeah, look, Vegas, I think, is a very um, like it's a team that is sneaking up on people shockingly, mm-hmm. you know, like this is and and there's a lot going on. Uh, uh, with them like the fact that they like look Aiden it all comes down to the goaltending and it shocked me like I was like man Aiden Hills near he's doing well and I looked at his numbers in seven games or sorry in nine games nine nine thirty eight save percentage nine goals saved above average so that's a Bobrovsky save percentage that's pretty good and he saves one goal over expected per game and these are seven starts by the way Nine games yeah. he's appeared in, seven starts. So that's that even in, improves his average. Yeah. Like all it just goes again, it goes back to like what's the point of of 
what is the point of us sitting here and trying to predict these games and like put effort into analyzing stuff when like one random goalie who has more AHL games than than NHL games on his resume can come in out of nowhere in the highest stakes situation and lead his team all the way to the promised land. This is insane. Yeah, goaltending is LOL. And if you don't think it's LOL, may I present to you Sergei Bobrovsky? Um, like, it, I'm really happy for Aiden Hill. Um, he's actually, he's a really nice guy. It's really hard not to be happy for him. I do think it's hilarious that Vegas acquired Jonathan Quick only to have him sit in a suit, like not even back up. I would not have Laurent Brossois backing up. Like I would have Jonathan Quick backing up because especially in the cup final, you want a guy that's been there and Jonathan Quick I believe has a con smite. Like he might not be the Jonathan quick of old, but when you get to the cup final, it a little matters. It does because the pressure gets to you. I've heard guys admit that the pressure in the cup final got to them in a way that it didn't in um, years prior. Like I remember talking to Ben Lovejoy about it because he had been um, with Pittsburgh and he was saying that like even like talking to the guys who had been in Pittsburgh since like the 2009 year, like the pressure of, of the cup final is just a different beast because you know, you're that close and it, it screws with your mind. Um, and so I think like, I think it could be expected that maybe we see a fall off with both goalies, but having Jonathan quick there as, as that fallback, I really hope we don't see a fallback because both goalies have been really, really good. And, I mean, Vegas is a better team than Florida. So if Bobrovsky falters, that's going to be a problem. Um, but yeah, like I think, I think Aiden Hill kind of deserves some roses here too because absolutely, and, of and, course. And Bruce Cassidy for making the decision. Yeah, go with him. Like it, especially even this team just enduring the amount of just this team just enduring the amount of insane like goaltending misfortune like they start the year like like you even go back to it like robin leonard is ruled out for the season before the season even begins he's oh no go back further go back further than that their first year they had to play an echl goalie (laughs) but i mean even just in this game alone or in this season alone like robin leonard is ruled out in like august and right. so then they have to scramble and they're like, all right, I guess we'll go into the season with Logan Thompson, who is like a, a full on rookie who was like a seventh from round U pick Sport. from like U sports. Yeah. In, in Canada. Like um, I coached again, just to give you an idea, yeah. I coached against Logan Thompson when I was coaching York university. So if Vegas gets to the cup final, I have literally coached against a Stanley cup finalist. That is wild. And honestly, Logan Thompson, everyone in U Sports comments on just how nice of a dude he is. Mm-hmm. Vegas seems to have a lot of just like really nice guys. Like Mark Stone is the nicest guy. Yeah. Um, they're all great. Got, oh yeah, like there's there's just so many guys, but also the revenge story of Jack Eichel is so funny. But even with their goal things, <laughs> Robin Leonard is 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 ruled out before like before the the friggin' like GM meetings even happen. Like it's. You know, it's nothing. Yeah. Then on top of that, um, so they go into a season with they're expecting like, all right, I guess we'll go Logan Thompson, who's like a rookie from U Sports, who had to step in out of nowhere last year after Robin Leonard was also hurt. Um, and so, yeah, Laurent and, so, Brassois, right? and Laurent Brassois. Yeah. 
then um they're, they're like actually scratch that let's let's trade like a third round pick for like aiden hill you know okay cool aiden hill had had at least in the nhl a couple of like relatively rough years the last couple of years well he um, played in arizona so he can be forgiven yeah and and san jose <laughs> who was also bad. yeah so like it doesn't matter but anyway so they bring him in here um and then on top of that uh, uh brassois then gets hurt to start mm-hmm. the year so then logan thompson goes on a crazy run and is like, hey, I'm the I'm the Calder Trophy winner here. Like, like let's let's do this. He was and leading it, the odds for a long time, as he should. He was unbelievable. I had him in fantasy. He was like propping my team up. It was great. Um, and then uh, Logan Thompson gets hurt. Aiden Hill gets hurt. You know, they they have crazy they have crazy stuff. So they have to go out and get Jonathan Quick. Logan Thompson tries to come back plays like two periods of a game, gets hurt again, has not been seen from since. Um, Jonathan Quick goes on on a run to to make it seem like they are, you know, his, you know he's going to spike them to a cup. Um, and then on top of that, they go into the playoffs. You have Brassois, you have Hill, and you have Quick, and then Brassois gets hurt a little <laughs> bit. So then they have to bring in Aiden Hill, and then it's just like unbelievable goaltending strife and they've like that would the kind of strife that I always compare this to the Leafs, obviously, because around them, that's the kind of goaltending strife that would sink the Leafs. They are not mentally capable of handling that. The Vegas yeah. Golden Knights, they're a win away from the cup final. It's it's actually it's it's wild, and it just goes to the point that like if you just get it doesn't matter who is in the net, if you get competent goaltending, you will be just fine. And you know what? You might need extraordinary goaltending if you are not a really good team, Florida Panthers. But when you're Vegas and you are a top, top team in the league from a skater perspective, you can get by with average goaltending. Yeah. But when it matters, and the old, look, the, the, the Colorado Avalanche won the cup last year with average goaltending. Darcy Kemper yeah. was not good in the playoffs. Like, I'm sorry. And- Pavel Francouz had to play in the second round. He like held the fort, but like, look, I was like, I, I was He's not going the to the ground. hall of fame. Yeah. Like, and I was, I was boots on the ground for that. And like Darcy Kemper, if they were, if, if the, if the, the Avs were going to lose the cup, yeah, it was going to, unfortunately it was going to be because of Darcy Kemper. Like Darcy Kemper was the obvious weak link in that team. And it earned him a long-term well, it contract. It certainly with... wasn't Nathan McKinnon or Kale McCarr. No, but like they, they, th- that Avs team was so good that they won with yeah. like average to below average. I, ge- they could have probably had an AHL goalie in the goal, like honestly. But yeah, like I think, I, I think Vegas closes this out on Saturday. Um, first of all, that's one of the most hostile rings to play in. Um, there's a reason that their home record is what it is. So I think that. I think that they close it out um, and, and that'll kind of be that they needed like Dallas needed Jason Robertson to sh- turn into Shang-Chi, <laughs> which is who we hey, made we, him that's in who we Avengers. Yeah. That's why I went with that instead of Superman. Um, Jason Robertson had to be Shang-Chi for Dallas to even get to overtime and, and win. And then Joe Pavelski had to be Captain America. So like, that's what we're talking about. I think Vegas closes this out on Saturday. Yeah, I think so too. I'm kind of hoping that Dallas takes another game just because I want to have time to pack my bags before, because I, I will, it's, it's wild because like, I don't, I don't know what's happening when it comes to like travel because 
we because the team with home ice advantage like it hasn't been it has oh. it hasn't been finalized yet like we yeah. we know we're going to florida we don't know whether whether to book hotels and flights to in in dallas or or, or in vegas so like i do would you like have to book your flights or do you have somebody do that no we, we have yeah. yeah i yeah no we they, they don't have like they're, i was they're gonna like, say i don't is... think i've had to book my own flight for work purposes in a while i mean yeah like, we're not trusting mike with this we're, no we're we hired him i to love write... you but i would yeah. never trust you <laughs> with anything or just with no no, no. With, with like that level of travel like okay when you're back and forth and hotels and here and there i love you but that's not what not your strength is yeah, yeah. I, dude, I've like I've ADHD, man. Like I'm not. That's like if you said we're going. Rachel and Mike are going to Germany, and Mike is planning the trip. Like, wrong. Probably not. And also, Mike is going to be the tour guide. Like, man. Uh, yeah, we would end up in like somewhere that's not Germany. Anyway, yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, we'd end up in like <laughs> friggin' Lithuania or. Yeah, we would God end up in like where. Slovenia or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, it'd be crazy. Anyway, yeah. So look, I, I, I guess we have to talk about Jamie Ben. And I, that C would be so far off his chest if I were Peter DeBoer. That is the thing I want to. That's the only thing I really want to focus on this because the actual play itself is being talked to death. The ruling's being talked to death. Whatever. But I want to. He got a suspension. You also mentioned, and you know what? Two games shocked me to my core. Well, honestly, he, I theoretically it's three because he missed all but one and a half minutes of game three, two. He had 42 seconds of ice time before he got. Yeah. So he's sitting for three games, which is like (gasps) in the middle of the conference. Loud. So good on, at least good on, on player safety for doing that. Um, Because I, I, Yay, they did the bare minimum, but like they cleared they, the bar. They cleared the bar, but hey, they haven't cleared the bar in like I can't remember the last time they cleared the bar. So hey, good for them. Yeah. But um Jamie Ben, man, like you're the captain of the team and you literally let you you let your team down um in the most like it, when they need you literally when they need you the most. They let the you most down. important and, game of the season. And what what boggles my mind too, you show zero accountability. In the moment and after when you have time to like craft your answer. So Jamie Ben declines to talk to the media, walks out, gets in his car, goes home while other players are are chatting it, you know, speaking to the media after that game. Well, after they're the, taking accountability for his for behavior. Him. He's the team captain. Like regardless, say what you will about, about John Tavares. If he loses Could his you mind, imagine? Say what you will about John Tavares. You know, I think he's a great hockey player. Point per game guy great leader and no matter what whenever the Leafs had a bad loss whenever they didn't come up they, they didn't they you know whenever it was sort of like an embarrassing moment he was the first there front, at the podium. first person at the podium first person you know in the dressing room to uh, to talk to us first person who is going to take accountability he's never going to put it on on the shoulder he will take it all on himself that's the job of a captain whether it's warranted or not this is warranted and not only did Jamie Ben not take accountability, he left his teammates <laughs> to accountability for him. Then he came back the next day and was asked about it. And instead of taking accountability, he said, oh, I would have liked to not fall. No, there was malicious intent. Fall? Mike, you I have, you and I have played competitive hockey. Yes, I grew up. That's my, all I did. I spent my did, entire you, life on a stationary bike. Have you ever fallen and 
extended your arms to cross check somebody in the neck. Yeah, and I did it on purpose. I was a bad person <laughs> when I played hockey, okay? Like I like I got like I've been over this. Like I I was I was Brad Marchand. I was Rafi oh. Torres. Like I was oh. oh no, for real. Like I I was really really bad. I got suspended at least but twice every did single it year. On purpose is the point. Yes. It wasn't an accident. Exactly. And for all my faults and I'm a I'm far from a perfect person. I'm actually a piece of garbage. But No, no, no. I love you. No, oh, thank you, Rachel. But um <laughs> at least I at least ended up taking accountability. And far lower stakes. The only person I really had to talk to was like the coach of my team who was, I don't know, like had a normal person job and this was like what he did at night and you know, all that kind of stuff. But like Yeah, not George Peros. You're the you're the captain of a team that's in the Western Conference final. You're down in a series two nothing, and you know that this is that this we know that officially your season will be on the line the next game if you lose this one, but really your season's on the line in this game, considering right. that there's like you can count on one hand the amount of people that ever come back from a 3-0 series deficit. Um and you do that for no reason. Um and rob that team, rob your team of one of their best players, because Jamie Ben had a phenomenal year this year. Yep. Like he came back out of nowhere again, had him in fantasy. He's just I know. gotta be like at the end of the day, whether you wear the C or not, you can't do that. But when you wear the C, not only can you not do that, you must be in the press room awaiting the press. Yeah, he had plenty of time. <laughs> it's not you like he had just come off the ice. There. Like, it's not like he had just come off the ice. No. Um, Yes. And I will, before we again, move on, I would like to say, and I would like to pose this to you. Mm. I think we need to officially retire the Jamie Ben doesn't go down uh, joke. <laughs> I think it's done. I think, I think we have used, we've literally used this for like a decade now. I think we need to find a new joke because I, because after this I saw, and listen, I'm like, you saw the tweet from my burner account though. Yeah. Oh, it and- was, I sent it to you and I was like, Oh man, I wish I had tweeted this. God, like that was good. But I feel like now, and that like is that... a tweet that I would never be able to say publicly. Exactly, and I think I think with that, we go out on top. You know, like I think yep. I think with that joke, I think that's the best it'll ever get. And I think we just yeah. retire it. We hang that joke in the rafters, and we go boom, we're done. We I'm gonna to frame that tweet. We're obviously not gonna read the tweet because then everyone's gonna find out what my burner is. Exactly. But I'm we're screenshotting that tweet and it's getting like printed yeah frame it in your in your house um you know what rachel i can't think of a good segue so i'm just gonna say that kyle dubas is getting a bogus investigation <laughs> into him um because you know in a world of conflict of interest in sports for some reason now we are deciding to police things um so can we wasserman is being like yes. it's being presented Okay, so it's being presented as a Dubas investigation, which I think is kind of odd because it's actually an investigation into Wasserman, not into Dubas. But this kind of speaks to certain people having it out for Dubas in hockey. And I don't even mean people in the media. I mean, like, people in hockey. Because rival agents... Are the reason this investigation is happening is because agents filed a formal complaint against Wasserman with the PA. Because if they're filing one against Dubis, it has to go to the NHL, not 
to Wall uh, not to the PA. So they filed complaints with the PA. And I will say this, absolutely thrilled to see that the PA is taking a filed complaint seriously. You better keep that energy for all other filed complaints is all I'm going to say. However, there are literally GMs who were agents that gave up their clients, but their clients still play in the league and they still talk to. I'm talking Kent Hughes, Bill Zito, my former boss, and we're going to leave it there. Um, and Kent Hughes, Bill Zito had like age or player stables in the hundreds of millions of dollars, like a lot. So it's, I find it quite interesting not, and I'm not saying anything about Hughes or Zito. I find it quite interesting that agents, given how the agent world works, would be filing a complaint against Wasserman for this particular thing, especially given that Dubas was being represented by a golf agent. Yeah, he doesn't it's even, he's Tony not an NHL agent. He's not an <laughs> NHLPA certified agent. So I don't understand. Like, it's it's like having two two agents, you know, being re- under the Remax umbrella, yeah. like it doesn't matter. It, it's I on. I think it's really dumb, and it's just it's a way to go after Dubis, which like LOL, of course. But it is extremely rich that agents filed a complaint, given how some of the agents in this league operate. So, like. Should we do like a hypothetical Friday? Yeah, let's just do. I think that's a great idea. I think we should do a a, a fantasy Friday, hypothetical <laughs> Friday, fantasy Friday. You know, like just uh, 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 let's present a hypothetical situation, Rachel. Why don't you okay. why don't you go ahead and do that? Hypothetically speaking, and purely let, hypothetically, purely this is for entertainment yeah. purposes. Yeah, hypothetically, let's say you believe an agent is the best person for a GM, AGM, whatever mm. hockey operations job. Yes, yes. And you know what? Pat Brisson might be the best candidate for your GM job because he's really good at what he does. But he makes umpteen billion dollars, so probably not going to do that. But let's say you decide that. Okay. In order to do that, the agent cannot represent players and also be the GM of a team. No, of course not. That'd be a conflict so, of interest. Uh, yeah. So usually, like in Bill Zito's case and in Kent Hughes's case, they were part of like major firms, right? Huge Vortex firms. and Acme, right? Those are major firms. Wasserman is an order of magnitude bigger than that. Wasserman has basketball, soccer, hockey, football, golf. Like, put it this way: like when my brother was looking down the path for golf, Wasserman was who we were going to have mm-hmm. represent, right? I know soccer players represented by Wasserman that are playing in the English Premier League. So, like, hockey isn't even their biggest thing, right? So, hypothetically, you say an agent is the best for the job because they're really good with contracts, they know the cap, like, all that stuff. Cool. When that happens, the agency works to divide up all the players that are represented by that agent, and that agent is also, let's say they have, like, an ownership stake in the in the company right that agent actually has to give up the ownership stake Mm -hmm. in the agency because they cannot still be making money off of players currently in the national hockey league if they are working 
for a hockey team. So they get they they buy they get bought out or they buy themselves yes. out. Yeah. They they get bought out yeah. and all of their clients they can either choose to be represented by a different agency and that happens sometimes. Like if I'm being represented by Kent Hughes and he's leaving and I don't want to be represented by like Darren Ferris who also works at Cortex, I can go to CAA or I can go to Newport or I can go to Wasserman. Like there's nothing that precludes you from doing that. Um but you cannot then continue to have like an agent relationship. So let's hypothetically say again hypothetically hypothetically let's hypothetically say there was an agent that was hired to do a job with a team mm. and that agent it was presented like that agent gave up all of their clients and they did and uh it was presented like they gave up making any money from the agency but let's say that they still do make money from the agency and that Maybe they don't keep in touch with the players they represented, but maybe they keep in touch with the parents because they've known the players since they were like 13 or 14. So, you know, the families. Yeah, that makes okay. Fine. Right. Hypothetically speaking. Again, purely hypothetically. Would you not think that that might be a bigger conflict of interest that would warrant some level of formal complaint and investigation rather than a golf agent representing a GM? I, yes, I think so. Yeah. I think that would be, but you know, Rachel, I hear this and I just think, thank goodness this is purely a hypothetical situation. Thank God. I can't imagine what it would be like if this was not. Um, right. I would, I would, there would be a lot of sleepless nights, let me tell you, For sure. on my end. So what I take out of this is I don't think anything is going to come of this, especially because if it was a hockey agent, that's a completely different story. Like if, if Jeff Jackson, who is the head agent at Wasserman Hockey, was representing Dubis and Judd Moldover, who's his partner, is representing Austin Matthews. That's a big no-no. Like, you can't have that. But, I mean, some dude that's representing Tony Finau and Cameron Champ, like, I think it's fine. Um, But what I would say is this. Like, there are people out there that specialize in representing coaches, executives. And a lot of these agents aren't practicing attorneys. They're lawyers, yes not practicing attorneys and there is a difference and so what i would say is this like i have representation now for many reasons but in my new job i have representation yeah and my representation is an agent it's a lawyer because i want everything neat and tidy and i want it up to date and everything like that so i was kind of surprised that dubis went that route but all I'm going to point out is there's a whole lot of other issues going on with how the mm-hmm. National Hockey League Players Association is run that maybe we should probably focus on that. And out of all of this, what I'm going to choose to do is be positive and take that whenever a formal complaint is filed with the PA, that Marty Walsh is going to take it very seriously. And I think, given what happened with Kyle Beach, that is very positive because if he takes a complaint like this, this seriously, I'd have to imagine he takes a sexual assault complaint probably a little bit more seriously. I would really hope so. Really hope so. I'm I'm hoping that this is a positive sign of what's to come. Yeah. But it also seems like agents are trying to stick it to not only Wasserman, but to Dubis. And not only does that make you look completely ridiculous, but 
maybe watch your back because at some point somebody might do it to you and it might not be all that fun. Boy, oh boy. All right, Rachel, before we leave, let us talk about Clayton Keller. Um, (laughs) That poor boy. That poor boy. Um, Because uh, Clayton Keller is... uh, I just, I just want to send my sympathies to his father, um, who got maliciously hacked. Um, you know, <laughs> I love last that. Week. Just, you know, because when your account gets hacked, instead of, you know, hawking PS4s or MacBooks or boner pills or whatever, um, <laughs> instead, uh, the hacker will take over your account and tweet about an extremely niche municipal policy vote. Um, yeah. You know, that's what happens. Like, if I hacked Mike's account... I might tweet something like my wife came back. Yeah. Or, you like know, if, like... if, or if like there's two different kinds of hacks, there's hacked, which is MacBook and boner pills. And then there's hacked as in like, I left my phone unlocked on the table and my idiot friend decided to tweet dumb things. Mm-hmm. And Mike actually doesn't like Florence Pugh or something, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, and Mike hasn't found his wife yet. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. The fact, like, so basically, LA Freeman reported that there isn't an active trade request on the table, but he has met with the Coyotes, like ownership, and being like, "You need, you basically, you need to figure your crap out. Like, you need to tell me what the actual concrete plan Fair. is off the ice, um, because I would rather not have my life uprooted to friggin' Salt Lake City out of nowhere." Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so please let me know. Um, and the thing is, is I and he said like I, I believe Friedman uh, said in the next month like he wants Kelly yeah, wants he said uh, a month. I don't know like, if they can cl- if they can get the amount of clarity that he should be looking for um, in that in in only a month. So the thing about Clayton Keller is that he's a silly goose. Okay. Because if you were not and he should not have been and I I'm curious to see who represents him. He should not have signed a one, two, three, four, five more year. He has a deal with five years remaining on it. If he knew when he signed that deal, because it was like two years ago, that the Arizona Coyotes were a hot mess express. Because this was during COVID when they weren't paying bonuses on time and all of Reckman Larson was being traded and next, all that stuff, right? Maybe don't sign the deal. Because that was when the whole Gila River Arena scenario was happening. And the Katie Strang piece came out two year, two and a bit years ago. Like, maybe we probably should have done a shorter term contract. And maybe. not a seven-year contract extension. Because now you're in a spot where if Arizona says, I'm not trading you it's not like you have an expiring deal. You could peer Luke Dubois, which would be Arizona would actually deserve that. Not the fans, but the organization. But like, I don't, I have sympathy for Clayton Keller, but like at the same time, like, why did you sign that deal? Yeah. Stop signing long-term contracts with teams that are clearly in disarray. And then, and then being like, Oh no. Like I get lost in signing the deal because nobody else was going to give him $4.3 million. But you would have not a short list of teams willing to play Clayton, uh, willing to pay Clayton Keller seven point one five million. And now that's a deal <laughs> that can almost be looked at as a bargain. Uh extremely. Yeah, and so 
if he ends up wanting out, which I think there's a decent chance considering that there's no way the, the Coyotes can present him with the clarity that he should be looking for here in a month. They're not going to sort their situation out in a month. Not unless um, that owner decides he's writing his own check for a new arena. Exactly. Then I think, I, I then I honestly think, uh, uh, you know, there will be a list of 31 teams that will at least be gauging the Clayton Keller market. Could be very interesting. I, I mean, I think it would be irresponsible not to. Yeah. Um, but then there's also, <laughs> there are also people in the league that are like, ah, he's small and can't play in the West. So. Well, we've just seen him play in the West and yeah. he's over a point per game. So what else do you want? <laughs> like, Yeah, exactly. Oh man. I don't, <laughs> we're going to have like hypothetical podcast day and it's going to be wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I think, especially with how he performed this past year, there's going to be a lot of people interested in his services. Um, and I can't fault him for saying, could you figure it the hell out, please? Because, like, I don't yeah. want to move. And it's what's crazy is when you hear Clayton Keller talk about Arizona, he actually he wants it. to be there. That's why he resigned. He, he wants would... to be there. So it's like, how about you just get your boardroom crap together so that the guy, the best player on your roster who actually wants to be there doesn't feel like he has to leave in order to have success? Like, yeah. He is, man, like, I don't know how that guy does not have a huge leadership role in Arizona. And I'm talking about the C because like, yeah, you know what? He might not go in the corners and hit everyone and eh, but he broke his leg terribly and worked really hard, came back even better through all of this. He said nothing but positive things about the Coyotes organization and everything. We can leave his dad out of it because Clayton is not his dad. And he signed a contract that committed to the organization only for the organization to throw it back in his face and not even have an appropriate rink for him to play. And I think that's trash. Yeah. Um, I think it is. All right, Rachel. Well, I think we've, we've reached the, uh, the logical end of the podcast here. Um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. You know, we will be back next week to chat and uh, yeah, you know, who knows? And, and almost certainly at some point next week, I will be recording this in a hotel room somewhere. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun. But until then, we will uh, we will allow you y'all to enjoy your weekend um, and go to TH or the, the hockey news dot com slash podcast for all of our archives and whatnot. It's gonna be great. Rachel, anything to leave the listeners with before we head out? I just launched the THN betting site um, and I'm going to focus more instead of just like giving out picks. Cause I don't think that's really a great way to go. I'm going to focus on like teaching betting strategies and bankroll management and how to analyze data so that you can make informed bets. Cause I think the more people that can do that, the less likely people are to lose. And it's a really tempting thing to do because everybody is, um is gambling and so i kind of want to take the approach of like how to do it responsibly i understand if it's not for everybody so everything that i'm going to tag on twitter is going to have gambling twitter in it so if you mute that hashtag then you won't see my tweets that include that kind of stuff but just know like i'm going to focus more on teaching people how to do it safely because i think that's an area that is just not appreciated enough so um, yeah, I'm actually, I'm really excited about that um, and see what happens from there. Otherwise, we'll be back next week. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>